This is PBE Daily Early Mornings and Late Night Podcast and my name is Point Blanky Vumbi. I'm grateful that I get to make another episode and it's really surprising to me because sometimes when I decide to make portion episodes or as far as topics that I would like to dive into further and further and have uh, a play-by-play on the particular thought process that comes with those episodes, it really comes as a surprise to me when sometimes I find myself having the fuel and the knowledge being passed to me or uh, the topic being further informed by that which I which I come across and this is going to play part three of the wrong impression and as a result of it I actually have to thank in particular a gentleman known as Jotham and the collective that he created called Movie Jabber because by him sparking a conversation at around nine o'clock in the morning today I was able to actually come up with some things I feel like I need to address for my own personal sake and literally you're going to be a fly on the wall today guys and you're going to be privy to some thoughts which yes they're still very young in accordance to how I'm actually running myself through them but again we're all just spitballing as we find our way across our existence and the whole thing is what a better time to actually talk about it and to talk on it in in the sense of I recently got um, inspiration from um my partner in crime as far as one of the books shadow walkers because i really wanted to begin making the rough sketches and to show him as far as the script he had created which i've had the script for months and i hadn't really gotten the chance to actually work on it because of another book i had to finish which was completed and now as i'm revisiting it and returning to my ability to actually start sketching out and laying out comic book pages i was in the process of actually putting some of those together and when I rose the next day, rather exhausted, weirdly enough, uh, the topic that popped up was this uh, image that was posted on the Movie Jabba Instagram account, of, of which I'd like to strongly suggest that you guys check it out and follow the account when you're at, when you're at it. And it's the idea that CW, the network, is considering and apparently is in the process of making a live action of one of those cartoons treasured from my childhood and my teen life, which is the Powerpuff Girls and turning that into live action and well since i've never been a fan of anything cw this is completely documented in any any conversation i've had about comic book material that has been making its way into different platforms i um then the first guy to actually pop up on the comment section we had like a thread like a back and forth on the on the comment section and he mentioned something that i had no idea about something that happened last week around the 10th of august 2020 on the 10th of august 2020 if i'm not mistaken around that time it's alleged that approximately 600 plus creators and uh, innovators and people working in the wonder brothers lot as far as the comic book companies the comic book collectives the digital space the the editorials most people were laid off and some people have moved into different positions and talk about a bloodbath from one production production company and it was all in build-up of what return on investment that hasn't been happening per se and add that to the times that are covid times so times they are changing and downsizing is something that has become typical in everything that we do i had a pay cut at work i have been uh, reduced in regards to the income i'd make as far as being an event host i haven't make made as much in return on investment as far as my comic books because i haven't released hard copies to to sell and since i haven't made a new book it is of great importance to me that i come up with a new uh release so that i'm able to even re-release the old issues and increase the outreach and all that and also try find other ways to 
innovate in the industry as it continues to grow and it continues to find its own legs and there are the lessons I've learned and there's information I've been given and continues to inform that which I try to do. Then on top of that, when I started really diving into the whole layoffs being being done, another uh, train of thought that came from that, which is definitely another rabbit hole, is the different creative directions that have been taken by these companies and how those creative directions are making them fall flat in their faces in a very epic way, for lack of a better way to put it. I haven't seen this degree of self-overcorrection in my creative life, to be honest. And I feel sometimes, and this is where I jump on a soapbox, and this one is this is probably the worst soapbox to stand on, but I feel it just has to be put out there. I let, let's just paraphrase this and and lead in lead, let's lean into it in the best way possible that's something some actually something i'm really learning in 2020 let's lean in in this best way possible there's a youtube channel i've mentioned on this podcast before and it's the content on that youtube channel that sometimes i because it makes it's cringeworthy i still go back to it because sometimes i want banter and things that I don't necessarily agree with to play in the background as I work. And it's a, a gentleman who is a stand-up comedian and a content creator on YouTube who works side by side with uh, Charlemagne the God from The Breakfast Club. And it's a gentleman known as Andrew Schultz. Now, Andrew Schultz is a stand-up comic who came up with probably one of the most ingenious concepts of, of a podcast, which is a, it's pre, it predominantly was a sports podcast prior to how it conducts itself now and the amazing life that it actually has based on Patreon and the different people who subscribe to it and Patreon and even the numbers they garner in regards to, to YouTube. And the, the, this, the show is called Flagrant 2. And Flagrant 2 initially had three hosts and it downsized to having two hosts. Uh, I think it was uh, a degree of sadly misunderstanding in, in part in regards to how most of those figures perceived the angle being taken by one of their partners and I think they they wished each other well as from my perspective as an audience member and they continue to do things that actually work to the advantage of that which is their initial dreams and I I love the fact that they were open enough even to share that information and be vulnerable enough to let that come to, to pass with us but the reason I bring that up is when Andrew Schultz initially started introducing the idea of what flagrant 2 is, the flagrancy, the definition of the term and everything, according to how they've put it, because I've never looked at the dictionary uh, representation of it up, but stand-up comedy has always been a safe space for a person to literally lean into that which is absurd. To speak on the weirdness and absurdity that comes with the fact that you may not have all the answers, you may not have all the solutions, you may not have all that is acceptable to the imagination or psyche of your audience, but you also don't care that it may not go to what a person likes. When you start living your life with the constant need of wanting to have the audience accept or embrace everything you say, something's wrong. Something is very wrong when it comes to that. Flagrant 2 will push the buttons that you know 
it it's absurd to even think in those directions and because you know it's absurd to do so they choose to lean into it so you could laugh at how insane it is to actually live your life based upon that which is the opinion of others and how that opinion has turned into uh, a stance that everyone feels the need to either rebuke condemn or get rid of so it made me start thinking about uh, different people who've faced this kind of uh, tragic uh, existence as far as creator or as far as innovator. I recently put up this post on Instagram story where it simply says, uh, we, to paraphrase what I said, is like we need to stop replicating or repeating and continue to innovate because nothing that actually stuck and stayed worth mentioning in our entire existence comes from excessive regurgitation days later i started looking at video clips and images of a gentleman known as lenny bruce i've never really known his stand-up but he's one of the first people to actually use curse words on stage and push the envelope with the curse words on stage his life was put in danger because there was a moral high ground that the police and society had and it kind of tried to gag him and he became victim to that it is alleged that he was murdered because of it but the the freedom he created and fell victim because of ended up leading to the possibilities of say the voices of people like uh richard pryor being able to say the n-word on stage and to be very flagrant with how they use it to then move generations later especially now in the time of our existence where the last five to ten years it's been cancellation of individuals online uh condemnation of people in regards to some of the stances they make or some of the words that they utter which they thought was okay and they had to be gotten rid of in these specific spaces the one thing i was glad of is holding accountable the people who used and abused their power who used and abused the people around them and the vulnerabilities that they had in order for them to feel like they could suppress, oppress, and um, mistreat, especially based upon sexual lines. And I remember in the time when I heard about the argument that gender is a spectrum and there's ways to look at gender different from that which is how initially it was based upon science. And when I say science, it's a, the, the primitive idea of gender is based on the sexual organ and since the spectrum of gender was then widened i didn't really take it as an offense or anything like that to each his own and then came the idea of trying to impose uh, the social sciences that come with that upon society and wanting society to adapt rapidly towards those which are the new terms and constructs in many cases whenever you introduce something new to people the difficult and the most difficult thing that comes with that is how to get a people regardless of another idea that came way before regardless of race 
regardless of initial ideas of gender and sex. When it comes to trying to get people to rocket fast, understand and embrace that which is the new, it literally will lead to backlash and it will lead to uh, a great degree of resistance. Another thing I actually got to experience, and it actually was one of the inspirations that led to the last episode that I made, where I spoke on the importance of us accepting that some things we do not know, so let's not dwell on trying to figure those things out and just find our own way into furthering knowing that which is supposed to come next. And we are so tied to some ideas that we were given in the past and since those ideas are so ingrained and so uh, deeply dug into that which we would like to perceive of ourselves and that which we think we end up falling victim to the question of is this right is this wrong and because those questions are what are gnawing at us we end up suffering the repercussions which are then where do we go from here I know that probably didn't make things as clear as they should be, but bear with me. I'm just running with the train of thought right here. And the train of thought has led me to this next part where when you think about literary work, literary work was always considered uh, the poetry, the, the biographical material, the, the, the playwright and stuff like that, the Shakespeare's of this world and all that kind of material led to further authors like the J.R. R. Martin, uh, Tolkien, and all these other guys. I'm sure the reception that they had initially was probably best suited because fairy tales existed. And I remember wanting to write a fairy tale of my own and still wanting to find like things I could actually tie to and make those fairy tales come to life. But it became easier to try write comic books because the fictitious angle of comic books kind of plants things in the in more of the 21st century and beyond and when you're writing fairy tales sometimes you have to create a whole other universe altogether and the children's book i worked on of which i'll say the name of the book once the book is officially published and out and you can now see the name tied to it because i'd like to respect the non-disclosure agreement between myself and the author and once that comes out i'll blood i'll be the first guy to blurter all i want about it over here who knows maybe even do an interview with the author and that was my first phase or attempt at a black themed or black visual of a fictitious world so i'm already finding cures for my fear for the fictitious world and when i look at all that i start thinking about the problem facing the comic book universe and the comic book world forget the layoffs the layoffs People are being laid off right, left, and center right now. And my hope is the the upswing of that which comes with that responsibility is seen more than the next thing. I'll, I'll probably touch on that in the next episode I make. And here's the thing. The comic book world began way, way before we even thought it would actually be possible. And that was because initially, like, there were certain kind of write-ups that came up in the UK and the civilized world during the industrial age and those later turned into pictures that sat side by side to create human entertainment which later became comic books and I pick up from the idea of comic books when we talk about the American comic book we speak 
mostly about the westerns the detective stories the horror stories and stuff like that but then the superhero comic it literally comes towards i believe the 1930s now, if you know anything about the 1930s this is the first the second world war and the the second world war i believe was ended at this time and guys are trying to find their way or the history of it is kind of lost on me but this is what i can say guys were trying to find their own way to use their creativity to motivate people during during war and have them feel the spirits should be heightened as they fight this evil foe and at that time the birth of characters like captain america and all came to life and then the supermans of this world came in and when you take a character like superman for example who was created in 1934 and published in 1938 and you take him 2020 there's probably some things we could just decide okay we could maintain the arc of that which was and give it the respect it deserves but then make something new and accept that new titles could sit side by side in the same company there's a new angle being taken by DC Comics and it's of trying to spruce up the Batman universe for the 21st century in a different way. Forget the new 52 even though the Batman new 52 I didn't mind I actually enjoyed the Batman new 52. Shout out to Greg Capullo and the great great art he did. And you step away from that and think about the kind of problems that even Marvel Comics is facing. Like there's two juggernaut com- comic book companies. If you didn't work with one or, or the other, you completely couldn't work in the comic industry. So thank God that on my time when I came into the idea of wanting to even consider being a publisher of comic books that the company of note was Image Comics. I got into the curiosity of publishing comic books in a time when Image Comics was taking shape. And they wanted to make titles of their own even though they didn't know exactly how they were going to make it happen but the cool thing they did was they chose to let the creator of the comic own the intellectual property of the comic book a model that still works for them to this day a capitalist company that intends to not to monetize and continue to regurgitate material from the initial comic titles and reintroduce it to different markets to make these in different markets make money with them sometimes we fall short I was excited to see that HBO Max was given the chance to work with uh, Zack Snyder to finish the idea he had for the Justice League movie. And in my initial research about this thing is there was a big conflict of interest between the Warner Brothers company which owns the DC comic company and and the film universe as well. and that they didn't give him the freedom he needed to do and fulfill his vision and as a result the product failed as far as in the eyes of the fan forget in the eyes of uh, the consumer of comic books b- based on they were introduced to comic book characters from the film so the tail wagging the dog type thing and one of the people who actually reviews comic books and has been a comic book reviewer forever and a blogger forever stated that it feels sad that right now comic books are seen as the brochure to the film and sadly the source material is not being obeyed so much 
it actually leads to my hesitation towards Zack Snyder in regards to the Justice League because there's an interview that actually a, a talk or a, a, a statement he made that was recorded and then put online. So I'm not going to call it a leak. I think somebody just intentionally recorded it and just put it online for the sake of it, allegedly. And he said he didn't really care for the source material where characters like Superman and Batman came from. He just wanted to make a movie based on the characters and how he translates the characters. Now, I had great resistance towards this, but then I also accepted the fact that, and I accepted this much, much later after bantering and complaining online and even writing a blog online about this, I accepted the fact that I may not be the target audience because I am so tied to the character based upon him being the reason I wanted to do comics in the first place. I wanted to make a Batman comic. I wanted to make a Superman comic, but the first character who made me want to draw was Superman. So um, I love this character. And sadly, the character I love was already given to me. I want more of him, but I'll never get that because my purpose to the character in accordance with the company has already been fulfilled. And there's no reason to make me happy. And the thing I'm finding to be the silver lining that no one wants to look at is the painful acceptance of it's okay to let some things stay the way they are and let sleeping dogs lie. Retire some of these comic book characters and just let them take a breather, be missed, and then revisit it. Superman action comics hit a thousand individual releases very, very recently. The character Superman is over 80 years old. The character Batman is close to that. So is the character Wonder Woman. When a company is trying to monetize the intellectual property that they have, they're going to find other ways to regurgitate or re-release that which was the initial idea. But since technologies and the way consumer relations are being changing so quickly, the purity that you're looking for initially is going to suffer. My take and why this ties in to wrong impression is the wrong impression is to complain about the way they translated characters you are devoted to. A better impression would be accept that those characters have already been tainted to what you expected them to be and accept that new characters should join the fold. You shouldn't have to go dig deep into the encyclopedia of which I own. I own a, an original DC comic encyclopedia from the year 2006 or 2005. And I haven't opened that book in a very, very long time. I sometimes find it hard to even read comic books from the people I love because I'm sometimes just sucked in by the art that has been used to draw it because I want the people to draw that kind of dope art. And sometimes I give myself the excuse of I don't want to read it because it may affect the kind of stories I want to tell. And I've been away from the comic book scene for a minute because... I haven't found perfect stories to tell and I haven't found the time to tell them stories in the way that I want to. Of which I will explain myself as time goes by. And as we try to come to terms with this heavy argument that exists where we feel we have to tell the world what they want to hear, it becomes a problem. The different titles that have been released by both DC Comics and Marvel Comics have suffered greatly as far as the fans' reaction and the different bloggers and, and releases of uh, content straight up just shooting them up about how bad the, the, the ideas are simply because it feels as if you're buckling to that which is the persuasion and 
take of people who shoot from the hip in regards to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all these other social networks. Because you want to please them so much so, you feel that the only way to do it is to give them exactly what they want. They don't know what they want. And maybe by making content that's not even tied to that which they believe exists is a good thing. I mean, I even saw like a short clip, I haven't really watched it, but a short clip exists where they say certain stories from, uh, say, the Star Wars universe. They want to find a different way to tell those particular stories and include different thinkings and different ideals and different uh, principles into those universes. When I say maybe take a snippet, a small snippet of that world and make your own take. One of my favorite times in regards to let's, let's stay on Star Wars was how the creator of, I think, Dexter's Lab from Cartoon Network was charged with the responsibility of making his own version and his own take of the Clone Wars a portion of the story that was never really told and took those Clone Wars and made magic. And those magic pieces have evolved into many more amazing things. To try please everyone is a losing battle. But then again, we're still chewing on this. So in these endeavors that we continue to find and continue to search for, do be Caesar or be nothing at all. Thank you for your patience on yet another long episode. And I'll continue to chew on this one myself. Until next time. Who knows?